When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The start of a new school year is a lot, especially in college. Turn that pile of coursework into great grades and stress-free weekends with Grammarly. Grammarly's digital writing assistant is a must-have for every college student. Its comprehensive writing suggestions help you avoid all those little mistakes that eat into your grade, so you can turn in your work with confidence. Best of all, it's free to use with all your favorite devices and apps. Need more advanced features? Upgrade to Grammarly Premium for clarity full-sentence rewrites that rephrase hard-to-read sentences, cutting down on jargon and making your essays as clear and impactful as possible. It even comes with built-in plagiarism detection. Just one more way Grammarly covers all the details that go into getting the best possible grade. Improve your grades with fewer all-nighters by using Grammarly. Sign up for your free account at Grammarly.com slash podcasts and get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week, it's book 65. And it is Trouble at Home. Oh my goodness, domestic drama in the split-level ranch house. Oh, the casa will never be the same again. It <laughs> is, uh, it's genuinely, it is trouble. Like, it is. They're, they're they not exaggerating. Well, they really aren't. They may as well just rip those Spanish tiles right off the kitchen walls. <laughs> I'm surprised that Ned bad? doesn't take a sledgehammer to them at some stage. It's one of his many tantrums that he has I'll in this book. I'll tell you, this ghostwriter really wanted us to hate Ned and it worked. It definitely did. <laughs> Well, you'll find out why we're so angry about that soon, uh, listeners. So um, to start off, we'll dive right in with taglines and blurbs. And the cover tagline is, is the Wakefield family coming apart? (gasps) And for once, the answer is yes. Very much so. An emphatic yes. Yeah, not that (laughs) Jessica gives a shit. (laughs) Why would she? (laughs) No. She's, um, I mean, we love a lot to say about her. Um, can you give us the back cover line? Mm, family problems. Well, they've got plenty of them. True. And here is the full blurb. There's trouble in the usually happy Wakefield household and Jessica, Elizabeth and their brother, Stephen, are caught in the middle. Again, Jessica does not care about any of this. She really doesn't. To a worrying degree. Mrs Wakefield is so busy at work that she's hardly ever home. When she is at home, all she and Mr Wakefield seem to do is fight. Tensions increase when Mr Wakefield decides to run for mayor of Sweet Valley. That literally happens in the last, like, 20 pages. Yeah, very true, actually. And even this next bit doesn't happen in this book, so there's that. Yeah, that's... (laughs) 
That's a very good point. They didn't really think this through at all. <laughs> no, this is like they decided to do one blurb for a couple of mm. books. Um, but uh, yeah, so consider yourself spoiled, listeners. Sorry about that. It's not our fault. <laughs> uh, tensions increase when Mr. Wakefield decides to run for Mayor of Sweet Valley and Mrs. Wakefield doesn't like the people backing him. They have a huge argument that just might end their marriage. Elizabeth, Jessica and Wakefield can't do anything to help. Could this be the end of the perfect Wakefield family? (gasps) Well, temporarily, yes. That certainly seems to be the case. And like from from what it looks like with what's coming up, this it's less of a book on its own as it is like one of three, like a three parter kind of arc that goes across a few books, it seems like. Yeah, it definitely goes into the. I remember the next one. I can't remember if it continues, but I, I think it probably does continue into a third because I remember well, yeah. being kind of a longish period in the saga. Yeah, quite. Yeah, like it does seem like it's kind of a a trilogy nearly of uh, Wakefield domesticity up in the air. Because um, yeah, this one's trouble at home. I think the next one is something about who's to blame. Oh, and then I think the parent plot is the one after that. So it does seem oh, like a like a mini series nearly of its own. Yeah, um, this, which is a bit of a foreshadowing because after the evil twin madness, we reached the period where there aren't really standalones. Like it's all. Hmm you know, miniseries. Three parters, yeah. yeah. So um, I guess they were flexing their muscles, so to speak. Yeah. They were gearing up for it, yeah, because in a way it's nearly only half a book because we may as well tell you now fucking nothing gets resolved in this one. No, and the same <laughs> conversations happen again and again oh, and again yes. and again <laughs> and again. That's <laughs> quite tedious. But uh, the cover is is quite a quite a somber image can you describe it i can it's um i think i think this might be the first time we have all three wakefield kids <gasps> together yeah um, i feel like up to now Stephen is always with a girlfriend or or a ghost or something <laughs> <laughs> um so we've got we've got the twins and Stephen standing together um so yeah, it's all Wakefields all the way down. Um, so Liz and Jess are kind of looking to camera very sadly. Um, Stephen is standing in the middle with his arms around the two of them. He's kind of looking off into the distance, not quite to camera. No. Now he, he doesn't have as much of a spark vibe as he did in the last book. No. Uh, but but not, that doesn't mean it's gone either because he is in a blue shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still got slightly strange eyebrows. Lego hair. Um, Lego hair as ever. Um, in fairness to him, he is wearing jeans, which oh. is a concession that I'm happy to see that we finally have a boy who isn't in fucking chinos or khakis <laughs> or some bullshit on the cover. With an, with an, it looks like he's wearing a chambray shirt. Oh, could very well be. Oh. Um, yeah, but definitely denim jeans, possibly stonewashed. It's hard to tell. We've only really got the waistband and pockets. Ooh, so, you know, who knows what's going on further down. There, there's a hint of stonewashing. He there doesn't have there. a broken arm, I realise. Just oh, yeah. now. Because they do they do reference his broken arm from his fucking hand gliding accident. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yes, so that's Stephen. Uh, but then, of course, Liz and Jess are uh, are also dressed um, dressed as uh, I don't know Barb and Star at work. Maybe <laughs> I was just about to say. By the way, we love Barb and Star, and if you haven't seen it, do so asap. You deserve it. Treat yourself. <laughs> oh, what a treat um, indeed! But yeah. is that something you want to like? Much as we love Barb and Star, are they suitable fashion inspirations for sixteen year olds? 
Probably not. For me, yes. No, For 16-year-olds, no. We'll, we'll be wearing culottes by the time this year is out. I'll tell you, I am on the pastels, culottes and florals train big time. Um, but yeah, these two like alleged 16-year-olds. Um, less so. So Liz... I mean, I guess in fairness to her, this shirt probably isn't unlike the type of thing that she's been described as wearing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's buttoned all the way up. It's got a little, is it like a fr- little frilly collar or is it just that it's kind of a granddad collar? I think it? it's more of a granddad collar. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I kind of thought it was frilly, but it's then. unusual cut. It is a weird cut. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of a minty green on my book cover, but I'm not sure if that's just because it's faded with age or what's going on exactly. Um, the sleeve, now the sleeve looks like it could be like a ruched kind of mm. situation, but that could also just be Stephen's hand. So I'm not really sure True. that he's kind of bunching up the material. Uh, but look, it's a shirt. It's not a shirt that you would see a Californian 16 year old wearing in the 80s, I wouldn't have thought. Um, it is silk, I think. It's quite shiny. Oh, well, of course it's silk. <laughs> um, and she has her choice. Barrettes in place as well, as ever. Um, yeah, she, she, her very somber expression. Mm. Um, yeah, it's funny. The twins do look slightly different, or at least their expressions are different. So it's not like James just got the money out of the one pose, and <laughs> <laughs> which you couldn't really argue with if he did. Yeah. Um, right. True. So Jess is uh, Jess is wearing. I mean, what oh. is also probably a silk shirt. Um, only it's got kind of a wide collar. It's white. Um, she's got an extremely <laughs> silky looking um, pink waistcoat on yes. over the shirt. Like, what is? I mean, she's got full Jessica Fletcher. Honest to God, like, I mean, <laughs> get yourself to Unique Boutique already, <laughs> because what is this? Um, yeah, look. also, also looking very sadly to the viewer. So, um, yeah, they're quite the the melancholy picture, the three of them. <laughs> they really are, and with justification, as you will see. Um, so. I guess we'll we'll dive right into to trouble at home, which begins with Liz returning to the Castletel Wakefield to find an empty house. Not even Prince Albert is there. Oh, yeah. so there's a bunch of messages on the answering machine, and she giggles. Why is this funny? Because the first three are from boy are from boys calling for Jessica, and uh, the fourth is from Alice, and she's uh, she's stressed out, which is uh, how we can describe her in pretty much every scene in this book she's starting as she means to go on yeah, yeah they've got um they've got a fundraiser that they're attending that night so but she's like working so hard that she's uh, not going to have a chance to get home before it so she's just left a message asking for them to come and pick her up at the office on their way to it yeah. and then they can head to this fundraiser that for some reason they're all going to again i don't know why the kids are so involved in this whole mayoral thing this look. is a mystery <laughs> from the, the kids attend more sort of tedious sounding grown-up functions in this book than i think any teenager wants to attend very true so yeah it's a fundraiser for uh peter santelli um and his campaign to become mayor as you might recall he is maria's dad and uh liz is looking forward to it but mostly in fairness to her because it's a time to hang out on famille um because they just haven't been you know spending much time together lately because i guess Stephen was off hang gliding but also both ned and alice (laughs) have been very busy at work (laughs) they have (laughs) Steve has been busy crashing into canyons. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I'm, I'm actually really amazed that they didn't just go, let's just pretend that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> what were we thinking? Yes. <laughs> but no, it, it is uh, in continuity. So Jess comes home with our favourite Wakefield, Prince Albert. 
And when uh, Jessica tells Al uh, about, or sorry, Liz tells Jessica about Alice being late, and um, she's uh, she's all excited about the the campaign for <laughs> for mayoral powers of Maria's dad. Like it makes no sense. None. Like, they, <laughs> Like Jessica's enthusiasms and the delusions in this book are so extreme. Like they think they need to take her to a specialist. Like <laughs> it's not it's not normal behavior, any of it. <laughs> like she says, maybe once Maria is the mayor's daughter, she'll invite me to all sorts of great political parties. The entire cheerleading squad will probably go to Washington to meet the president. What? I I I, I come from. I have I got nothing. <laughs> it's bewildering. Truly. So Liz uh, agrees with us and also points out that, she, you know, her she didn't think that Jessica and Maria were all that close. And um, Jessica was, of course, oh, we spend all our time together cheerleading as if they're best pals. Mm. And uh, then we get the old twin comparison and we're told that the twins were, quote, extraordinarily close and would do anything in the world to help each other. I mean, Jessica would uh, like we have showed her she has shown us time and time again that she doesn't wouldn't even be mildly inconvenienced to help Liz mm, no like Liz would go entirely out of her way to help Jessica I mean as I'm sure everyone recalls Liz basically got herself <laughs> locked in the boot of a car so Jessica could go collect a meaningless fucking crown so I mean this is only this is a one-way street <laughs> this doing anything for each other bullshit very much so uh, and then we're told that her reverie is broken by the sound of the phone. <laughs> and uh, this is where we get our continuity because it's Stephen calling from the bus station and reminding them to wait for him to, to get a taxi home from there uh, because he can't drive because he broke his arm hang gliding. <laughs> yeah, they really, they could have just left it out, but they, they really just threw it back in for this yeah. one scene because I don't think his broken arm has any bearing on anything no. else that happens. It's literally for this one phone call. And in fairness, I wouldn't have remembered. <laughs> no, same. I would have not had an issue with him just being fine now. Yeah. Well, uh, later on, Liz, Jess, Ned and Stephen are all quite cheerful as they go head off to pick up Alice from her office. And Liz is pleased to see Ned in jovial form. And we get a little reminder of this midlife crisis that he's clearly having. Because, yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's, he's kind of, he's, he's been feeling like he's not doing enough or that his, um, his, his lawyer job isn't the profession it once was uh, and just, he's, he's not happy in work and he's kind of been very snappy at home yeah. because of it. And he seems to be, uh, Liz thinks that he's keeps complaining about, you know, his legal career, but, but he is resistant to advice or discussion about it. Very true. Just wants mm. to whine. Yes, so, exactly. Um, so Liz asks him how work is going and he says like, oh, to be honest, it's not great. And talks about this new associate at the law firm, which you sort of think in, at, this, at this point that this is going to go somewhere and maybe it will in the next book, but it absolutely doesn't go anywhere in this one. Um, probably, Nowhere. <laughs> yeah, this guy's his name is Griffin Pierce and he's one of those really aggressive, money-hungry young lawyers who will take on any case as long as it earns him glamour and big bucks. Um, and then he crops up once later on and that's it. Like, Yeah, I, if he doesn't turn up in the next book, then I've no idea what any of this was for. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, maybe it's purely in order for Ned to make this heavy-handed point because <laughs> Stephen says maybe he should interview this guy for the Legal Ethics Project, which you might remember he was working on the last book. 
But Ned bitterly says legal and ethics are incompatible terms. <laughs> I mean, Ned, you could have been a human rights lawyer. You were the one who chose corporate law. You could have been an immigration lawyer helping desperate people who want to start a new life. But no, you didn't. So like, <laughs> You made your choices, bitch. <laughs> but stop acting like all law is like whatever the hell kind of law they do in his firm. Because he's not a corporate, he's not a, a criminal lawyer. So I guess he's like a corporate lawyer. Yeah, I couldn't remember what his deal actually was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it is corporate law, isn't it? I think or For so. some reason, I thought there was like land involved somehow. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Yeah, but I think it's all sort of like sales and... Yeah, I mean, it's businessy, like, yeah. Yeah, you can tell that neither of us know very much about intricacies <laughs> of law. <laughs> businessy, I think, yeah. gave me away there as a real expert. <laughs> then we just business these business papers and I'll be right with you. <laughs> business, business, business. Business and adult man here doing a business. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Do we get law? <laughs> By the way, it is a human rights lawyer. Maybe I should ask her. About well, that. Maybe we should get her on to, uh, to discuss Ned because what the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica suggests that Ned do something new and fun. You could become an actor. Oh, like, is she... Is she on glue in this entire book? Like, what is... That would explain an awful lot. <laughs> she is has lost touch with reality. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, old man Ned, bear in mind, <laughs> younger than me, says, Jessica, at my age, you just don't go and change what you do. Oh, my God. Like, what age are the, the Wakefield parents? I think do they're about 43. I remember that in that book where he had the crisis and started wearing the tie. Oh, yeah. He was about 42 or 43. Okay. And yeah, I, decrepit, so. Yep. I mean, I'm 45. <laughs> I should just throw myself off a bridge. <laughs> just call it quits, Anna. Yeah. What's the point in going on? <laughs> Lisa, not a lawyer. There you go. <laughs> Could be worse. Well, finally, Alice shows up now. now we're, we're, we're good old Alice, 40-something boss lady. Um, She's, she's, she's following her creative dreams she is she's doing amazing um yeah because she's got news yeah so there's apparently the valley mall is expanding um and they're it's i guess the contract is going out to tender so they've chosen architects designs and the construction is due to begin any day but uh, but alice's interior design firm is in the running to do to design i guess the interiors uh of yeah. the new wing so it's a huge big project yep yeah. and jess the fool says does that mean it will be called the alice wakefield wing like has she had a head injury is that, <laughs> did she crash into a canyon as well and we just didn't hear about it <laughs> i mean that would explain a lot about this book like her grip Honestly. on reality is why does she think interior designers get like <laughs> their wings named after them i just don't know yeah it's definitely the glue and the hang gliding yeah. for jess <laughs> Secret hang gliding. Well, Ned uh, for once shows some support for his wife and says he's proud of her and off they go to cheer on Mr. Santelli. So we cut to the next day and Alice is reading the, the Sweet Valley News when she has a shock. Yeah, so apparently Mr. Santelli has been accused of accepting bribes <gasps> as city planning commissioner because that's what he is right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's it's a huge scandal and uh, yeah, the uh, the mood in the house is not great. No, because, um, you know, Alice can't believe that this is true because obviously she knows Peter Santelli. But but as she points out, you know, even if the charges, if they don't, you know, 
press charges, uh, legal uh, legal charges, the accusation can really damage his campaign. But mm. Ned, for the ten zillionth time, flies off the handle and is like, "Oh, you're so defeatist. If everyone thinks like that, then you know what's the point in anyone doing anything? You can't give up." And uh, it's a kind of awkward moment, one of many in this book. <laughs> True. Yeah, get used to it because this does not get any better. No. And yeah, it's so unnecessary because it's like he's mad at Alice for saying something completely true and factual and it's yeah. not like she's saying this is what I think it's like yeah. this is what happens in these situations and he's like I can't believe you're saying this like <laughs> shut up Ned oh, God I mean if we're angry now wait till wait till you hear us by the end of this book <laughs> I will flip this laptop over I swear to God <laughs> Well, as the girls head to school, sociopath Jess says she can't wait to hear what everyone at school is saying about Maria's father. And Liz is like, what the fuck? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Jessica says, I mean, maybe Maria's father really is crooked. Wouldn't it be exciting if he were? And this is like, why, what are you talking about? And Jessica doesn't even, isn't even listening to her and says, it isn't like he couldn't mend his ways. It could be just like this movie I saw on TV last week. And then she spends the rest of the car journey just banging on about the entire plot of this film. <laughs> what is wrong with her? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I actually feel sorry for Liz having to listen to this all the way. Oh, God, yeah. Well, then when they get to school, Liz just can't, uh, you know, bear to listen to this nonsense for another minute. So she heads off to find her pals. And Jessica finds Amy and Lila. And we're told that Lila loved excitement and scandal. Ooh. <laughs> which is true by Very the way true. you know Lila is our flat face queen but she is disgraceful in this scene she just can't help disgracing herself can she no because uh, yeah they see poor old Maria just walking around in her own because everybody is in this school is such an arsehole that like clearly none of her so-called friends can see her you know ask how she's doing or make sure she's okay and Lila thinks uh that uh, um, or says I was even going to invite Maria over for dinner sometime soon just to get to know her better she shrugged I guess there's no reason to now oh it's so bad and like Jessica and Amy stand there and nod in agreement um, oh. and then it even just tells us that like basically Jessica was being the exact same it's like she'd been bending over backward to be extra nice to Maria at cheerleading practice who could tell whether or not she would come in handy oh. like what kind of mercenary Walking around is this like Jesus? Because yeah, then she says maybe Maria's father would have become governor of the whole state one day. Even as mayor, he would have been a big celebrity. I mean, would he? But then thinks, but Lila was right. There was no point in being friendly to Maria any longer. Like it's friendship with Jessica is purely transactional. It's just oh, to it. she's the fucking worst. She, I mean, and she stays appalling throughout this book, like an <laughs> actual sociopath. So Lila starts talking about the present she's getting for her half birthday. <laughs> Is that like your six months for halfway between? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, George Fowler must be feeling guilty about his business trips or something because <laughs> this is nonsense. <laughs> I know, it's my half birthday in a few weeks. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll start demanding gifts. <laughs> So uh, Jessica is enraged by Lila's latest, you know, status symbol. She's got a video camera from George. And uh, she thinks that it's time for her to come up with something new that Lila either didn't know about or didn't own. So that's the trigger for one of the stupidest B-plots of all time. 
Yeah, and like also this kind of motivation for Jess, this happens every so often where she just suddenly gets furiously jealous of Lila mm. um, to the yeah. point that it motivates her to do something that we've also already seen before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but look, this is what happens. It's true. <laughs> so the next day, both Ned and Alice are staying late, so they're not having a big family dinner. And so this is Liz's dinner. Bear in mind she's 16. When I was 16, I was eating like three slices of toast as soon as I came in from school. Then would have di- have you know proper dinner uh, a couple of hours later and then would have another three slices of toast before <laughs> I went to bed I'm like I weighed about seven stone because teenagers have most teenagers have like need they're growing kids they, they need, need feeding yes but she makes herself a small salad for oh, her dinner just the most pathetic sounding thing like yeah oh what an image to put towards like young readers that that's a you know adequate dinner for a 16 year old this tiny side dish will do for dinner like it absolutely will not you will be starving yeah that she takes up to her room she doesn't even eat at the table god so grim oh god i mean i was probably 90 percent toast when i was that age (laughs) (laughs) my poor parents they had four of us in the house and i'd say we were getting through two slice pans a day flying through the slice pans (laughs) Mr. Brennan was run ragged. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jessica comes in with news about an ad she saw on TV that day. And she's very excited about it. Oh, God. Um, Yes, she's she's most enthused. It's um, she's like, yeah, guess what I saw? It's this phone service for teenagers. You dial a 900 number and get to talk to all these other kids. Jessica's eyes were shining. I'm dying to try it. They were interviewing this couple who met that way and the guy was so gorgeous. I mean, yeah, no. And unsurprisingly and correctly, Liz thinks this will be both expensive and full of creeps. But somehow Jess thinks that all the cool kids will be flocking to this service. To the fucking phone line on an expensive number. And also, like, we've basically done this twice already, just in the form of letters rather than phone calls. True. And various dating services. Mm. Well, I mean, going to be going through the old regurgitation tropes later on <laughs> uh, with unsurprising re- results, listeners. Uh, I think you can pretty much see where this one's going. So Stephen arrives and says that Ned is feeling really miserable. So they shall try and cheer him up. And Liz is kind of troubled to see that Stephen's noticed that Ned is down because she was almost convincing herself that like she was just imagining things yeah or overthinking it or something but yeah Stephen's definitely noticed as well yeah so but Alice arrives and even though everybody's all had they've all had dinner separately she tries to create a family vibe by saying they all have coffee and ice cream together Alice by the way is doing her best throughout this book that is true she has a few moments where she could have done things slightly Mm. better but in general she is making an effort Yeah. yeah So uh, Ned reveals that he had lunch with Peter Santelli and uh, the police are looking into it because something really dodge happened. Oh, yeah. So they the police found a huge sum of money deposited into Peter Santelli's bank account four days ago, but without his knowledge. But it was like $10,000 um, and Peter can't seem to explain how it got there. So it's not looking good for him right now. Yeah. And literally while they're having this conversation, uh, Peter rings saying that he's being charged um, with, I guess, accepting a bribe. I guess, yeah. Um, Corruption uh, charges, I suppose, if yeah. he's like the planning commissioner, yeah. Yeah, so he's out on bail and he's asking Ned to represent him. But Ned hasn't taken on a criminal case in 15 years. <laughs> and uh, his kids believe in him. But of course, Jessica, with ever 
Ever the glory hunter says you'd probably get a big public appointment the minute Mr. Santali became mayor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not? Who cares? <laughs> she just can't fathom the idea that he could just be doing something nice for a friend. No, like this is it. This is like her trying to be nice to Maria only because she was going to get yeah. something out of it. It's like, why would anyone do anything unless they're going to be made famous from it? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's literally that's her the most, motivation. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Alice is worried about taking on this, about Ned taking on this this challenge uh, because he is sort of having a bit of a crisis about work at the moment and said, points out that she's got a big work thing coming up. Like she, you know, if she won't be there, able to give him the support she might need. But Ned isn't really listening. He's all like, oh, and if I'm complaining about the law, it's up to me to change it and I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's really bad because Alice is quite reasonably pointing out that like you're miserable in work as it is. And now you're saying you're going to work even more and in a yep. field that you haven't been in for ages. Yeah. Um, and the way they say it is like Mr. Wakefield didn't seem to hear her. Yeah. And it's like it's less a case of him not hearing her as it is him just deciding not to fucking listen to his wife who is pointing out very reasonably some reasons why maybe he shouldn't just jump into this. Absolutely. So Jessica swans off because she doesn't give a shit about any of this. <laughs> and she rings the party line. <laughs> yeah, she's convinced this is how she's going to find a gorgeous, exciting boyfriend. Like, why? Why does she think that this is where she'll find a, a hug? Honest to God, who even knows? I also don't really understand these things. because no! is, is it just a lot of people talking at the same time? Apparently, like there's some bits where... It says that, like, so-and-so and so-and-so are talking, and meanwhile, so-and-so and so-and-so are having a conversation. It's like, how does this work? Like, they're all on yeah. one line. They're all just talking over each other. This sounds nightmarish. <laughs> I don't understand it at all. Well, when she rings, there's an operator who explains the rates, and, of course, Jessica doesn't listen. No. Doesn't care. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as we were saying, sounds like a huge chaotic mess. There's six other people on the line, and... Uh, Four girls and two boys. One of them takes Jessica's fancy. <laughs> yeah, so a guy called Charlie apparently has a deep, sexy voice and he definitely sounded cute. So you know this is definitely going to go exactly like she thinks. Of course. <laughs> and of course, you could tell whether somebody's attractive by their voice. And they sort of have a bit of a flirty moment and one of the other participants, Sarah, says, Hey, you two, this is a party line, remember? Sarah said in a coy, possessive voice. Jessica felt her heart beat a little faster. This was definitely her kind of thing. Now she knew that she had to compete with Sarah for Charlie's attention. Like straight away, now that she's pissed off a girl and has gotten a guy's attention, it's like this is her in her element, basically. <laughs> um, so they they just talk shite about school shopping and surfing, we're told. <laughs> and at the end, Charlie asks Jessica, will she be back? Which says she might be, he says... He sort of talks like like an aging playboy in a from the thirties or something. He goes, oh that voice, it's dazzling, Jessica. I can hardly wait to hear it again. Good night. It's yeah, it's not particularly like a teen in like nineteen ninety, which is when I think this one came out. No, very much not. But Jessica is delighted with herself. Speaking of people being delighted. Next day, Ned is in cheerful form because he has confirmed with Peter Santelli that he'll represent him. Um, but yet the action moves very fast in this book because we're told he's happy that day, but a day later he's dressed. And by Friday, Liz feels that uh, both her parents are kind of you know, caught up in their own little worlds. 
True, yeah. And yeah, one of the days the reason he's not happy is because Alice hadn't gotten home until 8.30. Oh! <laughs> How dare she? Crazy nights! <laughs> and she tells Todd that uh, Jessica is amazing. At first she seemed upset that mom and dad were arguing so much and about daddy's attitude about uh, towards the job. Now it doesn't seem to bother her at all. <laughs> She's an actual psychopath, that's why. She really is. So, yeah, Todd says, which is basically they have variations of this conversation repeatedly to the extent that eventually my notes just say they have the conversation. (laughs) Liz tells Todd that her parents are arguing and there's tension about work. And Todd says, oh, relationships go through tough times. Look after yourself. And that's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. He's like, oh, they'll get through it. Don't worry too much. You know, yeah. As he says, you know, every, every relationship has its rough points, but it'll be fine. So, yeah, it's just him reassuring her. And telling her not to worry. And yeah, as you say, yeah. we may as well establish now this is the conversation <laughs> that will be repeated. Oh, get it again and again. Uh, and speaking of things that are repeated again and again and again, <laughs> that evening, Liz is determined that the family will have a nice dinner together. So she prepares a meal of hamburgers and salad. And Alice is running late. By the way, it's like seven o'clock or something. You'd think it was half nine. I know. they're act- I know, And I know they probably, I think, do they finish school quite early in America compared to... Here. Oh yeah, like they're out by I don't know two or three o'clock or something, um. But yeah, like it is not late, late to be having dinner. No, um. So Alice arrives and reveals that if they get the job, she'll be in charge of the design project. And again, just the Egypt asks, will they be named after her? Like, how does she think <laughs> contracts work? I mean, you're a designer, Karen. Do you demand that all commissions are named after you? There are so many places named after me right now. I just, I can't even list them, honestly. (laughs) Well, Jessica would believe you if you said that. (laughs) And that is worrying, yes. (laughs) So uh, Alice is all excited, but Nev says, is it going to mean awfully long hours? You know, I'm sorry to say this, but now with my commitment to Mr. Santelli, is this a good idea? and Alice says uh, well uh, what do you say to do it Ned is a big sulky baby oh like it's ridiculous because this is exactly what she was saying to him and he just decided not to hear her whereas now she is actually hearing him out yeah um, even though he's not really in a position to be like oh you can't take on all these long hours now that I've decided decided to take on all these long hours back when you said I shouldn't take on a bunch of long hours like shut the fuck up Ned and also Alice's long hours are based on a project that is part of her you know her uh, skill set whereas you're randomly taking on a job as a, as a criminal defence lawyer despite not exactly. really knowing how to do it his is a fucking midlife crisis where he's decided to fucking cosplay as someone in law and order like shut up <laughs> <Ned>. <laughs> well Alice reminds them that they're all invited to go out on some senior partner's boat at the weekend and of course Ned forgot all about this um, and even though it's like an important work thing for Alice he says he can't go and Alice storms out mm. So of course, or sorry, Jess isn't bothered by any of this uh, at all, and she heads off to her new pals on the party line. Again, the way this works is so weird because Sarah and Charlie are talking, but then when Jessica turns up, Charlie says, "Actually, Sarah, Jessica and I have well, we have sort of a phone date, don't we, Jessica?" It's so weird. Yeah, because it definitely sounds like her and Charlie are having their own conversation while the others are still talking. And I just, I don't I, get it. And how do they hear each other? Like, are they all just, the rest <laughs> of us just earwigging creepily? Exactly. It's not like a chat room where you could have like, uh, then open a new like window and have your own chat yeah. inside. Like it's, it's, it's all on the phone. 
line. I don't understand. No, <laughs> listeners, if any of you ever rang any of these weird lines, uh, which seem very ill-advised, do Truly. let us know how they worked. <laughs> because Charlie again starts spouting off. Uh, I thought of you without stopping, about you without stopping. You were the substance of every breath I drew. <laughs> Jessica, Jessica somehow likes this as opposed to being <laughs> freaked out. And oh, God. Sarah chimes in. Charlie's a real poet. That's why we all have crushes on him. <laughs> and Charlie says, to tell you the truth, I really am a poet. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> in fact, I wrote you a poem today, but I'm too shy to read it to you. Yet. And Jessica thinks, a poet on a teen talk line? What were the odds of that happening? Lila was going to be completely freaked out. She's not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about this is so weird. So strange. And Charlie says, Jessica, from your voice, from your name, you are poetry. Oh, God. It's so silly. But Jess is absolutely loving this. Oh, um, God, yeah. And it's so funny because one of the reasons why is because he hasn't even seen her yet. <laughs> so it's like Jessica has always been, had always been convinced that her looks were about 99% of the reason that guys asked her out. But Charlie couldn't see her. So it's like, he thinks I'm great now. Wait till he sees how fucking smoking hot I am. <laughs> I just love her confidence. It's amazing. Yeah, lest and you like, think that that moment is going to trigger a thing going, oh, wow, did they just not? you know, see the real me. She's like, Whitley gets a load of this. <laughs> Literally get a load of this. <laughs> Check out this fucking smoking hot twin. <laughs> so yeah, she can't, um, she's she's convinced that inexplicably she's convinced that he must be incredibly hot too. <laughs> so cut to Monday uh, where Alice is totally focused on this mall project. And we learned that they did go to the boat thing without Ned. And Alice is genuinely excited from a creative point of view. Like this is really giving her a, a chance to stretch her creative wings. Yeah, it's like it's a really big job, I think, for their firm. And it's not like anything they would have done before. So it's really a really cool project for her to get to work on. Yeah. And to be in charge of. Like, it's a huge deal. Yeah. And Liz realises that Ned never responds to Alice's enthusiasm because he's horrible. <laughs> Fucking guy, I swear to God. He's just, oh, he just, he's physically incapable of being happy for his wife in this book. Like, yes. it's so bad. Also, he's lying to her because um, Liz realises that her dad is admitting to, like, the kids that uh, it's going to be hard to prove that Peter is innocent of taking bribes because, you know, they don't, re they can't say where the money came from. Mm. And, uh, but he's telling uh, Alice that, like, oh, it's all going to be fine. It's, I'm going to get him off. No problem. Like, yeah, this he's doing this in completely the wrong way around, where he's, like, unloading all these, like, problems on his kids and telling his wife everything is fine. When it's like, it's your wife that you should be confiding in and talking this stuff through with, not, like... Burdening your 16-year-olds. Stressing your kids out about it and then lying to your wife about oh. how it's going. Like, you're a fucking idiot. And also, here. your kids know you're lying to your wife, which, I mean, yeah. Jessica doesn't care, but the others do. <laughs> The ones that pay attention to what the fuck is going on in this house do care. Yeah. So Liz is really, uh, is is pretty upset about it. But Jess says it's pretty blissful because she could basically do whatever the fuck she wants because her parents are so preoccupied. Like, just, yeah, this is what she's getting out of it and that's all that matters. Yep. Liz tries to point out how selfish Jessica's being, but then she realises that she, she can't bear for them to have a fight because the whole family will be, you know, at odds. So, uh Poor old Liz feels really miserable and actually Aww. feels sorry for her. It, yeah, it is. It's tough because I suppose, you know, 
of you know I suppose in general <laughs> technically she'd usually confide in Jessica or like they could talk stuff out together but she's kind of on her own with this it seems like yeah well Jessica's just obsessed with her party line <laughs> so she rings it and apparently everybody now knows that there's you know something going on between Jessica and Charlie which is I guess because they have all the conversations <laughs> in hearing of the others uh- I know, like they're they're all just yelling over each other, I suppose. I don't know. Oh, it sounds so stressful. And uh, (laughs) Charlie tells Jess that he's decided, just from your voice, that you're blonde. (laughs) I'm standing outside your window. (laughs) I mean, he says that uh, she has the blondest voice he's ever heard, whatever the hell that means. It sounds like an insult, kind of, doesn't it? (laughs) Kind of does. Like... Like obviously dumb blonde stuff is out of date and not cool, but it, it sounds like an insult in this book. Especially at the time. I don't think yes. it would have been, you know, necessarily a compliment. And then she says, Imagine how thrilled Charlie was going to be when he discovered just how blonde she really was. That sounds a bit like she's some sort of Aryan princess. Oh God. Well uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the first time we've described them as that. True. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, she's fantasizing about their meeting and how gorgeous he'll be, he'll be and they'll meet on a deserted beach. And she'll say, are you really, Jessica? You're like a dream come true. But uh, then she in- he interrupts her reverie <laughs> and says, a blue eyes, right? And Jessica decides to, to keep something in reserve. Oh my god, yes, she just said, uh, oh, blueish. No point in spoiling the surprise by admitting that her eyes were as blue-green as the ocean. <laughs> Framed by long, thick lashes. Like, who describes their own eyes like that? It's so oh, funny. I mean, I guess I could say, like, bluey-grey, kind of like the colour of a miserable Irish sea. <laughs> Does that sound enticing? so enticing Anna oh my god Uh, I'm on my way over (laughs) this is the party line right here oh yeah it is two people talking over each other so we have that (laughs) true (laughs) well uh, speaking of people talking over each other a new boy joins the line and he nervously asks does this really cost a whole dollar a minute and this is the first Jessica's heard of this because of course she wasn't paying attention when uh, she was being talked through the rates and she's like oh my god was that possible she'd been on the phone as much as 30 minutes a night <laughs> like oh shit Jesus. dude <laughs> that is I actually feel kind of faint thinking of it because I think oh, we all when we were young racked up scary phone pills but not that scary no Jesus <gasps> well the next day, Liz and Todd go to the supermarket uh, because Alice is too busy to shop. Of course, Ned couldn't get up off his arse and, you know. Seriously, that man doesn't do a fucking tap around that house. It's ridiculous. He's, he literally doesn't. Yeah. He's, oh, God, I hate him. Um, <laughs> so Liz says that it's looking like the case might be dropped against Mr. Santelli because of lack of evidence, but that won't clear his name. So that's kind of a worse, you know, it's not as bad as him going to prison, but it's not good. <laughs> and when she returns she finds Alice in full business mode she's kind of impressed by Alice's you know professional demeanour on the phone yeah she's so she sounds so different apparently so authoritative so sure of herself like an executive Elizabeth <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm not a fan of the, like capitalist feminism but I'm glad that Alice is like you know Liz is saying that she is a woman of authority 
yeah she knows her stuff and yeah. she's 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 doing really well for herself so yeah good for you and also she's Alice. really sweet to Liz because she's really um, she says she gives her you know a really heartfelt thank you for going to the supermarket and says she really appreciates her support and um, you know Alice is doing her best again she is like she thanks Liz for like the work she's doing and because Liz has made dinner a few times and like saying thank you is more than fucking Ned has done at all in terms of all the work his one of his kids are doing you oh know? god almighty yeah he just sits at his arse while he's like well where's your mother yeah and just complains about Alice like Ned you're an ungrateful piece of shit <laughs> always is so uh, but actually as the week goes on Liz feels a bit hopeful because she's kind of getting the impression that both Ned and Alice have kind of kind of almost a feeling of uh we're in this together as they both focus hard on their um, respective challenges and they're planning a date night to this um, on Saturday they're going to go to the cinema but then on Saturday when Ned is off somewhere Alice has to go to the office and she asks the kids to tell Ned oh that's not great no that's not that's not it like don't put the kids in the middle of this like you need to either ring him or leave a note yourself or something like she needs to deal with this and not pass it on to the kids yeah um well jessica doesn't you know liz is stressed out about this but jessica doesn't share liz's stress she's uh her her latest uh piece of distracting good cheer is that old steven's coming back i'm surprised he's not so recuperating after his you know terrible concussion and hang gliding <laughs> accident but no he, he went back to college and now he's going back again to cover this trial for this ethics project and uh, she also asks Liz is her voice sexy which is an <laughs> extremely weird thing to ask your sister truly especially your like identical twin and like not that identical twins have the same voice but like it's not like they're a million miles apart uh-huh. either <laughs> and obviously Liz cops on immediately what this is about and says like you can be meeting some random creep on this phone line true mm-hmm. and just like well but very nice boys not a creep okay <laughs> <laughs> so Liz and Todd go off on uh, for a date and they have the conversation again that's all we can say about that yeah exactly that's how we can cover this <laughs> just it was the conversation yeah and describe it all <laughs> so but when she gets home there's yet another fight happening between Ned and Alice so she's really upset stressed out about it we cut to the school the next day and Amy tells Jessica that she just read an article in the latest Ingenue that claims that playing the field is passé. It's time for commitment, they said. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Jessica, by the way, is only delighted that uh, her parents were on the verge of divorce because it basically means she can just hang out with her friends all the time and nobody cares oh, um, so weird <laughs> so uh, she tells her pals that she's met a mystery hunk and Amy says oh I think you've just went out of guys at school and now you're having to invent them it's so good like obviously Amy's the worst and we know that but this is a fantastic burn on Jess yeah. well Jessica proves she's real um so I guess they're in the Wakefield house at this stage by um calling the party line she somehow <laughs> thinks that like Amy people will be impressed by this I know, by like a random voice on a party line that you're paying like ridiculously premium money to be ringing in the first place. Like this is not the coup that you think it is, Jess. No, and Charlie tells Amy that he's nuts about Jessica who thinks this makes her cool. And and they hang up Amy's like, this is weird. Yeah, what are you doing? Jessica is enraged. She's like, oh, nobody gets me. And says she's going to suggest that she and Charlie meet up ASAP because she wants to surprise Lila because Lila will somehow be really impressed that Jessica's picked up a man on a phone line. 
Oh God. <laughs> yeah, Amy's very um, pragmatic about this. She's like, I wouldn't get my hopes up if I were you. Like literally all you've heard is a voice. You've no idea about yep. anything about this guy. So, you know, maybe tread carefully. <laughs> yeah, pace yourself, Jessica. Don't get mm. too excited. So at school the next day, Enid comforts Liz. Uh, it's kind of the Todd conversation, except it just comes from Enid this time. Exactly, yes. Although in fairness, Enid is actually quite well placed to... <gasps> reassure Liz in this sense you're you know kind of be a, a sympathetic ear because Enid's parents had separated years ago so like she knows what she's going through true true um well Liz thinks that um you know, things might get back to normal soon because uh Liz, Alice is going to find out today or tomorrow whether they've got the um the contract with them all and she thinks that once they know for sure some of the tension will go away because she feels that a lot of the tension comes from Alice trying so hard to get the contract um, so she decides that she'll make spaghetti and meatballs as a special dinner surprise. Mm. By the way, this whole scene is particularly enraging because none of these people seem to understand how a, a pasta sauce of any kind works. It's mm. <laughs> basically... Maybe Kate William was like straight out of college and was like just eating ramen all the time. Just literally lived on noodles and just didn't know how to deal with a hob or a saucepan. (laughs) Because what happens is that she makes this dinner and it's bubbling away. Bear in mind, a really good tomato sauce you can leave for like a slow heat for hours. Literally, you can forget about it and be like, oh Jesus, the sauce. And then go back into the kitchen and it's grand like because it's been on a low heat. It's even better. Like the way it's often even better the next day. That's it. The 24 hours is the thing that makes it any even better exactly yeah. so that's that's how nice uh tomato sauce works so um liz is, has made her her sauce and not ned and Stephen arrive home and they're feeling kind of terrible because it turns out the judge is dismissing the case and that means there's no chance to clear peter santelli's name so he's got the shadow hanging over him yeah there wasn't enough evidence either way i think um so it's like it's it sounds like it's been thrown out but the way he says it is that it's been suspended which kind of doesn't really make sense yeah i don't like also he seemed to really want to risk a criminal trial which I don't know. It doesn't seem great. Yeah. I mean, as, as little as we know about, um, you know, criminal <laughs> cases and lawyers and stuff, it yeah. seems like the ghostwriter knows about as much as we do, to be honest, because none of this makes any fucking sense. Yeah. It's also the fact that it started so quickly. It's like, what? What has happened here? It's like two days. <laughs> yeah. um, so Ned is just sitting there in a big old sulk and Alice is really late. And then Jessica realises that the spaghetti has been on for ages and has turned into gluey mush. OK, fine. I can't imagine that she used every last stick of pasta in the house. Just put some more on. That's the thing. If there is nothing in the house and you haven't done a shop in three months, there's still always some pasta lurking at the back of the shelf. Like. Something. And in fact, there's garlic. Like, we're told there's garlic bread. That'll mop the sauce up. But instead, Ned takes out some crappy ready meals from the freezer and it's like, just put them in the microwave and let's eat some dinner. Yeah, he's like, dinner is ruined and it's a whole big deal. And it's like, even your worst case scenario is just like, hold on to the sauce and just do it tomorrow with new pasta. Like, it'll be fine. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. He's just such a baby. So Alice arrives home with champagne because her firm was won the contract. And, yay! Oh, well, yay, but not for long. <laughs> because Ned, once more, is such a fucking baby because Alice is like, I'm so happy. You may be happy, he said coldly, but you're also extremely late, Alice. Liz made dinner for you and tried to keep it. But the fact is, it got rude. It didn't get rude, Ned. Uh, clearly, no. you never made a fucking pasta sauce. The dinner is fucking fine. Like, chill out, Ned. Just make some more pasta. 
or some rice. Like, just get some Literally. carbs you. There are so many ways to fix this. <laughs> no, I'd rather eat this thing that's been stuck in the freezer for two years. I'd... <laughs> <laughs> that's I'll just eat it out of spite um, <laughs> spite pizza <laughs> so the tension mounts especially uh, oh yeah sorry he also says if you're not considerate enough to come out for dinner couldn't you at least call again it's something like a quarter past seven at this stage it's so early <laughs> so uh, yeah the tension mounts especially when Alice admits look I'm asking my staff to work up these really long hours and it wouldn't be fair unless I was willing to work there with them um and uh, I would hope you'd be happy for me. Ned says, I am. I'm glad you've gotten what you wanted, Alice. And he storms out. Oh, my God. He's such a piece of shit. Like, I know that he's obviously having a bad day because he's, I guess, they've pretty much lost their case or whatever. Yeah. Or it's been thrown out. But, like, you can still manage to muster some enthusiasm for your wife's success, you would think. Like, yeah. it's, it's such bad form on his part. I hope Alice drinks that whole bottle of champagne by herself. She should. Yeah. Instead, she hmm. says, I guess maybe we should see about getting those frozen dinners cooked. Elizabeth stared disconsolately at the pot of sauce still sitting on the stove. <laughs> my notes say what just eat the fucking sauce you freaks but all don't know why this is what's at me over the edge of this book there's always something the sauce was a step too far just, I've had it just the thought of them all individually heating up microwave ready meals one by one while they have this sauce in front of them. Just, they're, oh they were and, I don't know why we're trying to get any logic out of this family because they really have uh, they're breaking all the all the no- rules of normal social behavior <laughs> because the next day psycho jess like bear in mind the parents are constantly fighting and she's only delighted to see alice's name in the paper because she thinks that alice is now famous <laughs> her definition of famous is just your name is in the paper even in like a tiny article or something yeah i can't imagine this is headline news no <laughs> and ned is a fucking prick again because he says you have a good day Alice enjoy the fruits of success as they say I guess they do say that I guess yeah like oh and even when Alice Alice is kind of trying to downplay her success as well which fucking sucks because she's trying to like not hurt Ned's feelings it's like this shouldn't even be an issue like it's just so shitty yeah he says your father needs attention right now attention focused on him not on me boo I hate this. I, know. I mean, <laughs> Alice, you deserve better than him. So later, Ned arrives home early in yet another sulk. And Stephen reveals the whole office at his law firm is talking about the Santelli case. Um, and Ned feels guilty because it wasn't really his kind of law. And he should have sent Mr. Santelli to an expert in criminal law. Yeah, no <laughs> shit, Ned. Jesus. We could have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> but Stephen's actually freaked out because he's never heard Ned sound so kind of so negative and um, self-critical. And he's pretty freaked out about it um, because it's also this um, whatever the young associate's name is, has they've kind of been clashing again. And it's convincing him that you know he's just surrounded by money hungry, unethical creeps. And, a, <laughs> and apparently uh, Lyle Jackson, I guess he'll turn up in the next book. He's Mr. Santelli's opponent for mayor. He's been really using this to, um, you know, attack Oh, yeah, he's been capitalising on the scandal to, like, yeah, to bolster his own campaign. Yeah. So Steve thinks that Ned needs a break. And it's a good thing our annual weekend at the lake is coming up. It's <laughs> probably not <laughs> okay. a thing. I guess. Yeah, apparently they go to Lake Tahoe every year. Yeah, sure. Why apparently. Not? <laughs> I mean, it does sound pretty nice. 
I mean, they're still in junior year after all, so who even knows? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Or maybe it cropped up in the twins' books. Who knows? Well, maybe. Because I never read them, so they could they can get away with a lot in, in by just they, retconning yeah. them in the twins. They do a lot of, yeah, kind of making sense of things and writing around things and kind of throwing bits in in the twins' books. So we get another scene where Alice is late for dinner, Ned is sulky, Alice has brought home Chinese takeaway, but Ned doesn't even say thank you because he's an ungrateful arsehole. Ooh, just... But also because we've established that he's, a, is it that he's <gasps> allergic to Chinese food oh. or he doesn't like Chinese food or there was something about Ned and Chinese food years ago. I think he was you... allergic to all of it. That's what it was. Every bit of it he's allergic. <laughs> Not it's a very a... serious allergy. Not an ingredient. An entire giant country's many cuisines. Yes, an entire genre of cuisine. He's <laughs> allergic to the whole lot. Well, he's in a big old sulker and he gets even worse when Peter Santelli calls or reveals he's dropping out of the race and Alice is sad. And uh, Ned is uh, even more sulky. At school, Jess brags about Alice and is now saying she's waiting for her mom to tell her that she's going to name a wing after Jessica. <laughs> like, I do enjoy a Jessica delusion, I will say, but this is just like it's worrying such nonsense. I just don't know what's wrong with her. <laughs> No, it's, it's actually, it's not right. So no. she, she tells Lila all about the party line. Unsurprisingly, Lila doesn't give a shit. No, why would she? Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on your probably middle-aged creep on the phone. Like, who cares? A <laughs> little bit of catfishing there. Uh, so she somehow managed to get Charlie's home phone number. Um, you'd think, considering they're having all this public flirting, they might have done this sooner. But when he ring, she rings and... Um, Actually, it turns out that he isn't an old man, which I did fear he might be, because mm. the phone is answered by somebody saying, oh, I'm Charlie. And then uh, and it's clearly a grown up and then says, oh, you must mean Charlie Jr. And takes Charlie, gets Charlie on the phone. So, yeah. Well, unless it's a man just putting on a voice and going, hang on, let me get my son for you. Oh, hello, oh, I'm Charlie Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't read the next book. Maybe that is what's happening. <laughs> I was thinking the reveal was going to be Charlie was like 13, but I think this is probably more, more, more sensational. Yeah, I, you're probably right. And it is just this thing again where it's like, she's actually going to hook up with a 14-year-old and she'll freak out. Yeah, but that's, they've done that before as well, but they really they are scraping the barrel for plots at this stage. True, the B plots are getting very thin on the ground. Oh, God, they're more like Z plots. Yeah. Well, uh, Charlie... Um, turns on the alleged charm again by telling her you're so sweet so funny so interesting and Jessica loves this uh, it's Cass she's like this was Jessica's favorite kind of conversation like it obviously happens enough to her that she has it <laughs> categorized as a favorite type of interaction because it's just someone telling her how amazing she is <laughs> for hours but it's time to get down to business she thinks oh yeah uh, she's asking him to a concert at Big Mesa, but he's like, oh, God, what a shame. My brother's coming home from Stanford this weekend. I can't go. And uh, do I get another chance? And she's like, yes, but she's getting a bit confused. And insanely, her confusion throughout, I mean, this isn't a spoiler that Charlie's going to keep making excuses not to see her, but her confusion seems to come from the fact that like, oh, no, does he think that I'll disappoint him? As opposed to the very obvious <laughs> implication that he has something to hide himself. He is not exactly who he says he is, clearly. No. Like, yeah. Well, um, we, we don't get an answer to this uh, issue in this book, but doubtless more will be revealed in next in this miniseries. Mm. There's a nice moment of peace in the Wakefield sitting room. Um, 
that evening, I guess. And everybody's sort of just chilling, reading and uh, doing their own thing. And there's kind of a nice vibe. And then Alice sees an in, is going through the post and she sees an invitation from Ned's old law fraternity. <laughs> Psi Epsilon. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're having their annual family dinner. It's a lot of annual yeah. events happening this month. It's a lot of sudden annual stuff. Yeah, very true. Um, yeah, apparently they have this yeah big family dinner um, every year and they have these wonderful speakers like a state Supreme Court justice, a leading criminal lawyer from San Francisco. She's like, wouldn't it be wonderful for Steve and for the girls? Like, no, just oh. go out to dinner yourselves. This sounds like an absolute nightmare. Why would you take like your children and maybe Stephen because he's a law student, but why hmm. would you take your secondary school age children to hear like a bunch of lawyers? <laughs> it does not sound interesting. Because they really have expressed doesn't. no interest in law themselves. <laughs> no. but she thinks this would be good for Ned. Yeah, I suppose he's so disillusioned um, with his whole practice and everything. So she's like, maybe just, you know, being back around, you know, other lawyers uh-huh. who you get on with, like yeah. might actually help things along for you and make you feel a bit better about stuff. But yeah. Well, her hopes will be ill-founded. We cut to Friday night. They he- The family head off to this dinner. Jessica's wearing quite an outfit it, it it certainly is oh also it's a new a new <gasps> restaurant it is tosca's a new italian restaurant in sweet valley so i was going to say guido's has some competition but that's more of like a pizza joint yeah. isn't it, rather than a proper italian place pizza so, joint yeah. with a fountain if i remember right <laughs> absolutely like the smell of chlorine with your pizza <laughs> mm, appetize <laughs> well they arrive and jessica's at least see it's full of cute men um who i hope know better given their jobs than to go anywhere near her. jesus you would certainly hope so <laughs> the mood turns sour however because uh well but ned because everybody is just congratulating alice and liz feels that nobody is supporting ned but see the thing is you know that if even they said sympathetic things to Ned about the whole Santani thing. He'd have a talk about it. Of course he would. Like, there's no, there's no way to bring this up to Ned without him, as you say, like just being a massive baby. So, like, obviously they're just going to be like, "Isn't it great about your wife and her wonderful news?" And and Ned just can't, literally, cannot be happy for his wife. So, so no, it's not great. <laughs> and Ned has the stamina of a sponge because when the infamous Griffin Pierce, the young associate, turns up. Uh, he immediately says, I'm surprised you felt like showing up here tonight, Ned, after that disappointing decision in the case to let Mr. Santelli's case go. That's all he says. And Ned overreacts in an outrageous way. It's so, like, he literally just storms out. He just says, excuse me, and walks off, head held tight. Like, you can hold your head up high if you want, Ned, but Jesus, you have not won this battle. Because he just, he literally walks off to the car with the family chasing after him. Like, it's so stupid and then he blames Alice for getting him to go to the event in the first place gets in the car drives off like it's so bad he's just the it's, fucking worst he's left his family there to the humiliating you know situation of having to go in and say oh I'm sorry somebody said it was disappointing that the judge let the case go and that was all it took to get him to like run off like a baby yeah, and I mean, okay, they did come in two cars, so it's not like they don't have a way to get home, but it's just so, as you say, he's just such a baby about it, like, and sulks and takes off in the car, like, without even talking to anybody. It's just, he makes an absolute show of himself, yeah. to be honest. And the like, West- that guy Griffin, that guy Griffin is like, he's 
an associate so he's only new to the firm so like Ned should just fucking put him in his place and get on with the dinner like there's just there's no need for any of this and he could have been even a lot he could have been a lot ruder like he was obnoxious but like it really wasn't a you know a killer blow basically no not at all like Jesus all Ned had to do was laugh it off or like there's so many ways he could have handled it and none of them were to literally walk off and run home like and, oh, and the rest so of them silly. go back in which must have been excruciating oh god so oh, cringe sorry about our baby like <laughs> husband and father he's got yeah. off and a tantrum literally having a tantrum it's so bad next day Liz confides in Todd and they have the conversation again <laughs> just you know if anyone's keeping score and later when all the Wakefields are in you know, relaxing in the casa, uh, the, there's a knock on the door. And it's a very surprising visitor. Yeah, so there standing on the doorstep is good old Henry Patman and a man that Mr Wakefield didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's old Hank. And uh, we're told Henry Patman had his finger in everything in town, every deal, any transaction. Well, I mean, canning factory, we might recall, should be Indeed. the focus of his, uh, of his interests. You know how I feel when they when they uh, disregard the canning factory. Show the canning factory the respect it deserves, goddammit. <laughs> well, we're told that uh, Hank is a big businessman, a big socialite, a big wheeler and dealer. <laughs> Sounds like J.R. Ewing. He does kind of. I hope he's wearing a Stetson. Oh, Or like at least, at the very least, a bolo tie or something. Oh, fingers crossed. Well, maybe we had a, some rootin' tootin' ancestors, if I remember right. Oh, very true. Yes. <laughs> oh, carry that through. Come on, Hank. We believe in you. <laughs> maybe in the next book. Well, we hear that his companion, the man Ned didn't know, is James Knapp. And apparently he's a political analyst and he was helping out and Peter Santelli's campaign. And... They, uh, they're sort of fawning over Ned in a frankly sinister way, I think. It is a bit sus, all right. Yeah, because apparently these two guys obviously were kind of backing uh, Peter for mayor. So now they're uh, they're really trying to cajole Ned into running. And they're being so weird about it. They're like, oh, see, didn't I tell you? Oh, yeah, he's a family man. Oh, he's handsome. Oh, he? like... You see how much charisma he has? He's amazing. <laughs> and they're talking to yeah. each other in front of him. It's really weird. <laughs> so, yeah, they want Ned to run for mayor. And sure, <laughs> why not? <laughs> they couldn't be looking for a candidate that they could control or anything. They said uh-huh. very um, trustworthy gentlemen, the pair of them, I'm sure. <laughs> they seem so honest. And Ned isn't sure about this and says he has to talk to his family. And they say, Oh, yes, of course, we understand this is a big deal. Um, you know, it's got to be very tough on your family. There'll be a lot of publicity. So, of course, it's the perfect time to do something like this, Ned. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <sighs> Um, so of course Jessica was earwigging. Of course, it's like she hadn't intended to listen in on her father's conversation, uh, but like, what else was she going to do? <laughs> so she tells Liz, who doesn't assume that Ned is going to say yes, and Ned looks for Alice to talk to her, and he finds her driving off to the office. By the way, she didn't bother telling anybody she was driving off to the office. So it is a bit like, yeah, a bit odd. This isn't great on Alice's part, but he does have another tantrum. Which of course he does. Very disproportionate. <laughs> that is like, hope you're not planning on putting us through this uh, this weekend. Uh, you remember what we're doing this week? Um, oh, sorry, this next weekend. Uh, you remember what we're doing next weekend, don't you? We've got reservations at Lake Tahoe. 
And Alice understandably snaps that, yes, she is fully aware of this. And that's the reason she's overworking now to make sure she'll be able to get away for this uh, all important getaway. Mm. And Ned doesn't take this perfectly reasonable explanation very well. He's just like, mm. Oh, God. I think while he's stewing, maybe we should uh, take a little break. Oh, we should. <laughs> Even just for our own sakes, because God, I'm so annoyed at him. <laughs> I hate you, Ned. <laughs> Because, of course, you might recall that we are not only members of the Headstuff Podcast Network, but we are now part of Headstuff Plus. And if you enjoy these Sweet Valley shenanigans, you can support us on Headstuff Plus and get our bonus series, that whole parallel series, for (laughs) as little as five euros per month, wherever you are in the world. That's right, yeah. Our bonus series is all about the Sweet Valley High TV show and it has been an absolute blast so far. <laughs> oh my God, we're really enjoying it. Uh, it comes out every two weeks, so it, it comes out the weeks that there isn't an episode of Double Love. And if uh, if you can't go two weeks without <laughs> some Sweet Valley nonsense, well, if you subscribe, you will be able to uh, to listen to Pi Beat Alpha, our bonus special members only episodes that's right you can join us in the sorority house we're having great crack over there taking the piss out of everybody and also surprising ourselves in how much we're actually kind of enjoying the sweet valley high tv show i mean we are entertained and you can hear the special pi beat alpha theme tune it's got its own theme tune (laughs) and then her ukulele have been busy again i have uh i also haven't come up with an ideal way to describe the ersatz Mr. Collins. It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I need to come up with something, but um now he, he's appeared in one episode so far. And I think by that he doesn't appear in the third episode. So hopefully by the fourth episode I will have come finalized the best uh, description for him because He's no young Robert Redford, we'll put it that way. <laughs> he certainly isn't. Yeah, so we'll have to see. You know, maybe he just won't even show up that often and it won't be an issue. Oh, true. But, uh, Crowdo to... pops up every five seconds. I'll tell you, there is no getting rid of that guy. <laughs> well, He's everywhere. <laughs> you can find out more of our thoughts about uh, Sweet Valley High on TV by signing up to Headstuff Plus. And you can choose whether you want to support just us uh, or you can spread your five euros out among up to three other programs. But whatever you choose, even if you just decide to support us, you will get access to all the bonus content um, of all the Headstuff shows. So it's a really good deal. It is. And there's so many shows on the on the network as well. Like there'll be something else that you'll be into for sure. Definitely. Uh, and there's so much bonus content as well. Like it's it is a really good deal, as you say. Um, and there's just so much good stuff to listen to. And one of the other podcasts on our network and also part of Headstuff Plus is Spice Bags. So it's a food podcast by it's hosted by Blanca, May and Dee. So it's kind of an international look at the food scene in Ireland. Yep. And you will, uh, you know, if you live in Ireland, you may have had a spice bag if you haven't. Hopefully you'll be able to sample that delight one day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in Spice Bag, the uh, Blanca May and D will ask questions like, how did one enterprising Indian expat create a market for Indian cuisine in Dublin? Why are so many Irish cheeses made by women? And why is Irish tea different, some would say better, from that in the rest of the world? <laughs> that is just my tea bias talking. And they also uh, talk to uh, people from all over the world who are shaping the new Irish culinary scene. 
So you, if you want answers to all those questions, a few laughs and interviews with Ireland's most interesting chefs and authors, you can check out Spice Bags and you can hear a little sample right now. Spice Bags is a podcast about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, I'm May. I'm an American food writer and I'm with my friends Blanca, a chef from Spain, and Dee, an Irish food editrix. And we are the Spice Bags, three sassy ladies with a lot to dish up. Join us for the chats. And now, back to Sweet Valley, where they don't have any spice bags. God love them. (laughs) (laughs) The poor fools. (laughs) But they are able to travel more than five kilometers from their house. So, eh, you know, good for them. (laughs) Someday. So, yeah, they're looking forward to going to the Lake Tahoe, where apparently they're all going to stay in cabins. And there's there's like a central hotel and then everybody stays in these cute little cabins, which sounds extremely nice. But Jessica isn't particularly happy because uh, there aren't any phones (laughs) in the cabins. Yeah, so she won't be able to talk to Charlie for a whole weekend. Oh, no. Well, we know she can't cope when she can't talk to or see the guy that she's seeing. I mean, remember when she melted down over AJ being gone for like two days or something? Oh, true. Yeah, she had to like go off and cheat on another... On a... <laughs> she had to find herself a crazy stalker. Of she did. God. <laughs> to have chase her around the place. Just lunacy yeah uh, and uh, not suspiciously at all she rings charlie and asks if they can get together before she heads off and he's like oh my god th- you're going away this weekend i was just about to suggest we meet in sweet valley and spend the whole day together oh what hmm. terrible luck she's like okay how about thursday or wednesday and she's like oh my car's in the shop and when she says well i'll call over to you she's like oh no no i want our first meeting to be special i don't want you calling over and seeing my parents Oh, it's one excuse after another with this guy. It's very suspicious at this stage. And again, she's like, oh, no, you must think I'm not you know, as beautiful as I like I am. <laughs> I can assure you I'm stunning. Don't worry about that. <laughs> if only there was any other explanation for his reluctance to meet in person. <laughs> Alice, of course, is stressed all week because... Um, Everybody else in her team is going to be working that weekend, but she swears she's not going to let the family down. And that is, is all. We're going to have, you know, when there's not going to be any work up at the mountains. This is a family time. And Alice is like, yes, fine. And hmm. by the way, still hasn't told Alice about the mayor stuff. And when she says, "Wasn't didn't you want to talk to me about something, didn't you say the other day? He refuses to go into it. Oh, this is so stupid. Like, because, I mean... He should have said all of this to her way before now anyway. Uh Like, as soon as that happened, he should have said it to her and told her all about it. But, like, she's given him a perfect opportunity now at this stage to tell him exactly what's on his mind. And he just storms off again for no reason. It's so silly. He's ridiculous. He really is. On Wednesday, Liz takes a call from Alice's assistant, Julia, who's asking her to ring somebody. And... Now Liz has got Julia on the line. She worries that Julia doesn't really understand how much pressure Alice is under. And she basically says, look, we're meant to be going on this weekend and it's really important. And Julia didn't know about it. And that really freaks Liz out. So she's like, look, could you and your colleagues like basically gang up on Alice and insist she goes away? Like she really needs a break. And Julia says, "Okay, we can, but we really need to be able to contact her just in case. And Liz, and this was kind of makes sense. You can see where Liz is coming from in this. 
Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's very understandable. I mean, because at the same time, Liz is a child like, yes. and she just really wants her parents to stop fighting. So Aww. it's like they've, they've kind of made it so that everything's hinging on this weekend in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. So, of course, she's like, OK, look, oh, she feels bad about it, but she gives Julia the number of the cabin, even though it's meant to be like a strictly no work. Yeah. Nobody knows how to get in touch with us kind of a weekend where they all switch off. Um, but because she figures this is how she'll get her mom to definitely go on the holiday. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, she was worried the whole time that Alice was going to end up bailing or having to work or yeah. something. So now so she, she thinks, figures, yeah, she, she thinks that if Alice's colleagues really insist that she goes, yes. that Alice will go. And of course, mm. that the only way to get them to be okay with her leaving is to make them feel that they can contact her if needs be. So she decides she's going to make sure Alice has a good weekend. Cut to Friday evening, where the Wakefields have checked into their super cute cabin. It sounds delightful. It does. And I have to say, I'm so I'm so fed up on my 5K that I actually kind of looked up Lake Tahoe <gasps> on Google Maps. I just had a little wander around oh! the street view. And I don't know why I did it to myself, because it looks really nice. <laughs> oh, imagine being able to go on holiday. <laughs> I know. Imagine. Oh, give me a foreign supermarket, please. I just want to see weird crisps. <laughs> oh, I swear to God, when I'm next in a French chemist, I'm going to throw myself on the ground and kiss it like the Pope arriving at an airport. <laughs> Literally just swipe everything off the shelves into a basket and be like, yes, all of this, thank you. Give me that cheap event and stuff. <laughs> all of the things. Oh, man. Someday. Probably not this year, but next oh, year, look, hopefully. Eventually. <laughs> Let's get those vaccines in and get going, lads. We will get off this rainy little island. Uh-huh. Eventually, eventually. <laughs> well, there's the Wakefields are frolicking. They're having a great day. And, uh, of course, Jess fucks it all up. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah just likes to drop a little bombshell oh god yeah that's it because they are all having a really nice day and like messing out at the lake and swimming and I think is someone barbecuing it's all very idyllic and lovely and then Jess just kind of blurts out about um, Ned running for mayor yeah says oh when this you know maybe when you're mayor you'll be able to start a resort like this and Alice is like uh, what Excuse me, what the fuck? Like, the fact that he hasn't said any of this to Alice yet is just oh crazy. My God. Like, Especially as she literally said to him, was there something you wanted to tell me? And he's yeah. like, no. And then he <laughs> gaslights her. We're like, oh, I tried to tell you, but you've been so busy. And Alice says, that's preposterous. I know I've been busy, but you could have told me how important it was that we talk. True. Oh, like, Alice is so right to be furious with him here because, like, this is so ridiculous that he's suggesting that he didn't have a chance when she literally said, what was it you wanted to talk about, Ned? And he's like, yeah. no, never mind. And fucked <laughs> off out of the room. So, like, seriously, just dropkick him in the lake and let's be done with it. <laughs> well, they basically... so mad at him. <laughs> they, they basically agree to talk later, but it's really tense. And obviously, Liz is very upset. And she give, when Liz and Jess are on their own, Liz gives out to Jess for blabbing. And Jess yeah. is like, oh, don't yell at me. Oh, I... Do them a favour and now it's out in the open. Liz asks her a question that, you know, should have been asked long ago and more than once. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, because as Jess, or as he says, Jess is just like, oh, it's out in the open now. And uh, Liz is just like, Jess, don't you ever feel sorry about anything you do? Like, can't you admit that what you did was wrong? And like this, as you say, <laughs> is the question she should be asked every single time she opens her mouth, basically, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> all Jess does is like sure stir shit up and make people's lives miserable and <laughs> ruin things for people and is just never held accountable yeah, and she doesn't care and she no. still she still doesn't care doesn't give a shit <laughs> so Liz understandably feels like her family is falling apart Aww. 
that night, they get ready for their traditional day of charades or game of charades that they apparently do every year. And Alice is mildly distracted with work. So Ned, again, the big baby is like, oh, let's not do it this year. I know, it's like, no, but they'll go to bed instead. Like it's seven like seven o'clock. Sorry. Probably. It's, again, it's probably so early. Like. <laughs> Liz hopes that tomorrow will be better. Well, good luck with that, Liz. Aww. Next day, Jess is like, oh, I didn't sleep because I was just dreaming. Well, actually, she says I didn't sleep because I'm dreaming about Charlie. So I don't really understand how the logic of that because I can't dream about him if you're not asleep. <laughs> so they head out canoeing and Alice doesn't join them, and which freaks Liz out a bit. But then she hears that uh, Alice is preparing a surprise lunch. Oh. And they get back to the cabin and it actually seems like maybe it's kind of nice like Ned and Alice have a little bit of a moment he says that you know maybe it would be too intrusive uh, in our in all our in our family life if I run for mayor and we do need to spend more time together and it looks like they might be reaching some sort of uh, entente cordiale but mm. then something happens oh no so yeah a, a boy on a bicycle comes out of the woods his face red his chest heaving from exertion and he's like mrs wakefield i'm from the main inn i'm the only son so uh, basically alice's firm have called the main inn and uh they say it's urgent and of course ned is fuming because there's not meant to be any work going on and they're certainly not meant to be able to reach like either of them mm. any of their works like um at this cabin so uh yeah it's a proper spanner in the works and uh ned is furious he like balls up his napkin and throws it down and it's like great alice thanks a lot for honoring our promise so of course he blames alice thinking that she's told work where they can find yeah. her if they need and to and alice says she didn't give them the number and one's off to take yeah. the call and poor liz feels terrible and later on see alice acts like a proper parent in this book so late, she later she tells alice Look, I gave them the number. I'm really sorry. And Alice is lovely. Like she gives her a hug and she's like, oh, you know, you don't have to apologize. And she acts like a parent, basically. She does. She properly reassures her. And she's like, look, your, your dad shouldn't have jumped to conclusions and should have known that like I hadn't done it. But, you know, you haven't done anything wrong. It's fine. Like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like she's she is lovely in this scene. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a tender moment. But Alice is, is, is clearly, you know, she's very upset about mm. how things are going. By that night, they're also feeling a bit shite. Um, but they decide they're going to, you know, it's tomorrow's the last day. They're going to go on a pony trek, I guess. Um, yeah. By the way, when have any of them ever been on a horse before? How are they suddenly able to, like, mm. you know, ride off unaccompanied into the mountains? Well, okay, whatever about, the, whatever about the parents, there is a super edition, even though we also know super editions happen outside of the main timeline. True. But but there is some horse riding, I believe, in the... Um, Spring Fever, oh. where they head off to Kansas to a farm. Oh, okay. I have yeah. read that, but a long time ago. Of course, maybe they yeah. were just meant to believe that they've inherited the uh, stunt riding skills of old Jessamine, was <laughs> the circus ancestor. Oh, absolutely. Why the fuck not? Uh, and also, they're Wakefields. They're amazing at everything. So, like, it's not like they need to know how to ride a horse. They they just will be able to do it. I can tell you that if I attempted to ride a horse uh, last time, I tried to barely get in the back. Uh, my sister actually does uh, does do it quite seriously, and uh, yeah, I, I I do not have her skills. Just take me out to the stables, and the sight of me trying to get up on a horse is a sight to behold. Oh, would someone give you a leg up? I needed like an actual block to stand on, and even then, I got slightly. I mean, I have gone horse riding a few times. Have you ever yeah. taken to the saddle? Yeah, no, I used to horse ride quite a bit when I was younger. Um, 
Yeah, my dad had a horse. Yeah, so, so then you're, you're a master of the. <laughs> you know about that now. <laughs> that was it. I was maybe twelve at the time, and then like more recently, was at like a hen party. I went horse riding as one of the activities, and it was great. But I was in absolute bits the next day <laughs> because it had been quite some time. <laughs> your legs are like, I mean, I couldn't walk. The last time I went on a proper trek on a horse, I could barely stand the next day and also my hands were in bits from like oh like yeah it's murder like on your hands and your legs when you're not used to it or haven't done it in ages so yeah we were all in bits well do you find this uh this equestrian <laughs> mastery shown by the wakefields convincing because ned alice gets a call while they're all they're, they're, their mounts have arrived and they're all up in the saddle clearly they were able to get into them easier on a horse Easier than me. <laughs> Someone gave them a boost, I'd say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a message for Alice arrived saying that there's a call for her and she gallops off. She literally I mean, gallops. Hmm, seems unlikely. What's even more unlikely, though, is that they kind of go through the type of horse each person gets. But like, for some reason, Steve and Mr. Wakefield get chestnut stallions. And let me tell you, there's absolutely no fucking way anybody is riding a stallion oh. on a pony trek at all, ever. No way. <laughs> so, no, that's not happening. Let alone these two amateurs. Yeah. Could you gallop? Were you that skilled? oh yeah yeah like yeah like, <laughs> um yes had done had have galloped around on a beach and uh, done a tiny bit of jumping in uh, not me jumping but like the horse <laughs> over small jumps at uh, at a riding school yeah see that's uh that to me that you might as well be an olympic equestrian because <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'm not a, a natural horse woman <laughs> it's me nina carberry all this time <laughs> <laughs> well, Alice is clearly uh, a skilled rider because uh, she gallops back to them. She's galloping <laughs> hither and yon. She does. No bother to her. She looks so amazing in horseback that uh, Liz thinks, fall in love with her again, Daddy. Don't be angry. Can't you see how beautiful she is? <laughs> her blonde hair is shining in the sunlight. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, she, she has news from work. Do you oh no! I feel sorry yeah. for the for the work. Oh god, this is absolute nightmare stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, apparently there was a disaster in the office last night because Sal, whoever that is, had a brilliant idea to use the interactive software <gasps> to design part of the new wing, but the computer went down and they lost almost everything. <gasps> oh, oh! So she has I feel to... a bit sick to be honest. I actually, <laughs> so she has to go back, and it's literally like two hours earlier. That's true. Like it's Sunday, and they were going to be heading back in a matter of hours. So she's literally like two hours ahead of them in going back now. Yep. But Ned loses his shit again. <sighs> literally says, it's astonishing to me to uh, see how little respect you have for this family right now, Alice. Like, oh, I, I hate him so much in this book. <laughs> like, he's just the fucking worst. Yeah, he's just, and all this in front of the kids as well. Like, it's so <gasps> bad. And then, in uh, sorry, Alice says, you know, I can't, my team needs me. And Liz cries, we need you. And like, I do feel for Liz, but you would think that Alice was moving to New York or something. Like, it's a Seriously. temporary contract. That's the thing. Like, and obviously it's it's super busy right now because they're doing all their designs and like getting everything ready for presentation and stuff. So like now's the really busy time and things will settle. This isn't 
a permanent way things are going to be. It's a temporary arrangement. She's super busy at the minute. And like Ned giving her shit as well, saying that, you know, that she's not putting her family first. Like, fuck off, Ned. Like he took on this criminal case ridiculously without even talking to Alice about it. He just decided he was going to do it. Like, so yeah, fuck this. (laughs) I hate him. Hate him. (laughs) So Alice insists, look, she has to return. And then Ned, ever the baby is like with your information Alice you're not going to be the only one with extraordinary commitments anymore I'm going to tell Henry Patman I'm going to run for mayor so what if I won't be at home won't make any difference to you Mm. oh god like to be fair I am quite a fan of like achieving things out of spite but like but this is ridiculous like this is literally Ned running for mayor to like show his wife because she dared to be busy with a project. Like, I mean, what the fuck, dude? This is ridiculous. And Alice, rightly, is just like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll see you at home. Yeah. And Ned oh. gives an ultimatum. This is so bad. Like, and again, in front of his children, yes. he's like, Alice, if you take off right now, you're doing more than just walking out on a weekend. It's like, well, galloping out actually, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he says, yeah, you're walking out on me and the kids too. Why don't you stop for a second uh, and think about what that means? And um, Alice is like, are you threatening me, Ned? Because like, seriously, what the fuck, dude? <sighs> um, so he says, yeah, I can't stand this anymore. If you leave now, you're leaving me. You're leaving our marriage. <gasps> like, What a fucking drama queen. Seriously, get a fucking grip, Ned, will you? <sighs> Alice? gallops off I mean as well as she might because fuck this why should she have to stand here listening to this <laughs> I hope she just gallops off all the way off. to Sweet Valley into the sunset <laughs> off you go Alice <laughs> I'm imagining the horse rearing up on its hind legs <laughs> against the sunset silhouette against a huge Lion King sunset <laughs> amazing <Yay>! <laughs> <laughs> So uh, poor Liz is stunned and feels as if her life was ending. Where before there had been solid ground to stand on, now there was nothing. She thinks, does this mean her parents were going to throw away more than 20 years of marriage? What's going to happen to the Wakefield family? Like, yeah, the proper cliffhanger. As we said, nothing gets resolved and it sure doesn't. Like, we still don't know what Charlie's deal is. What's going to happen with Ned and Alice? Like, this is serious <sighs> stuff. Actual stakes. Amazing. An actual cliffhanger, which we have never had before. Mm. Can you read us out, please? Uh, yeah. Oh, that actually was the, the read outline. But yeah, <gasps> what's going to happen <gasps> to the Wakefield family? Uh, find out in Sweet Valley High 66. Who's to blame? The answer is Ned. Ned, like, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Emphatically, Ned. <laughs> well, that was Trouble at Home. Oh, and it was trouble. A lot of trouble. Oh, it's trouble to read. With all those pieces of scenes. <laughs> Just copy paste. It's fine. Really so boring that I started spending far too much time thinking about the uh, horse riding experience of the Wakefield family. Now they were able to head off on their mighty stallions. Yeah, we did go off on a bit of a tangent there, all right. <laughs> well, you don't know. I've learned that you're a show jumping child. <laughs> yeah, that's um, possibly an overstatement of my abilities. <laughs> nope, nope, just leave it there. Let me imagine you sailing over the jumps. <laughs> um, well, uh, sadly, we don't get any equestrian outfits in this book, but do you have any uh, any others and some stats? We Okay, so in terms of outfits, there's 
I think, uh, yeah, at one point at the lake, uh, Stephen turns up in a tartan dressing gown, which Ooh. which is a look, I suppose. Um, but other than other than that, it's pretty much Jessica. Uh, I think this is when they're going to the fancy fraternity dinner yeah. in the Italian place. So um, Jessica, uh, yeah, when they're leaving, she twirls around so Elizabeth could get a better glimpse of her fuchsia mini dress <laughs> and matching tights. Yes. <laughs> She is all future all the way down and it sounds amazing. <laughs> I am here for it. <laughs> Always. Oh, and what about the stats? Uh, so then yeah, the blue green eyes got three mentions. Hmm. Which is, you know, it's it's actually not bad considering yeah. we've had a bit of a drought. And True. the blondness got six, which was Whoa. delightful. <laughs> we are back. <laughs> That's right. Back with a bang. <laughs> and is that it for stats? That's it, yeah. <gasps> Well, I, guess I mean, I, could, I, probably, I probably could have counted how many times Todd and uh, Liz Ooh. had the exact same conversation, Jeez. but I was just like, uh, skip. Too many. <laughs> yeah. Well, listeners, that was Trouble at Home. Uh, mm. We apologise if you were really investing in the Ned-Alice relationship, but are now traumatised by their, uh, spoiler alert, temporary separation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but do, of course, let us know what you think. Did you do you remember reading this one as a as a young reader and being very genuinely worried about the Wakefields? Because you know, if you when you're that age, maybe you can't predict as easily as we can that this is not going to last. Indeed, that it's only temporary. Don't worry, I'll be fine. Also, did you ever ring a party line? Can you explain what the fuck is going on there? Because I don't get it. Oh yeah, please seriously <laughs> do explain that. Well. Yeah. Well, you know, we always love hearing from you and uh, you, you've never had so many ways to get in touch with us. Oh my God, we're everywhere. <laughs> we really are, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you can contact us, um, of course, at Twitter at svhpodcast.com, which, uh, where we really do love hearing from you. And uh, you can let us know, of course, what you think of uh, both our regular episodes and our Pi Beat of Alpha episodes for Headstuff Plus members. Um, where uh, so uh, some people were uh, were genuinely troubled by the fake Mr. Collins, um, and uh, you can see just how bad he is if you watch the episode on YouTube and then sign up to Headstuff Plus to listen to us discuss it. Indeed, just you can listen to our our disgust and our despair at the whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of it um so yeah quite a few uh, commenters said that uh, they were really struck by the ghost of trisha martin's similarities to vertigo true though i think Very we can true. all agree that Stephen is no jimmy stewart oh god no <laughs> <laughs> or anything <How> dare he? <laughs> by the way somebody came up with a good and slightly terrifying theory about all the doppelgangers they suggest it was uh, Dirtwitch, aka Village Dickhead, on Twitter said, "With all these doppelgangers running around, was Sweet Valley also part of the experiment in Us, the film? Like truly, some kind of experiment is the only way to explain all these lookalikes. Like they're tripping over lookalikes in this town, and it's it is getting concerning to be honest. Very concerning. <laughs> I mean, it would be amazing if they did have an episode that was devoted to the explanation of why there's so many doubles." <laughs> Yeah, it's not normal. Like, <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, somebody also told us. Um, so it was. Oh God, why? Uh, nostalgia reviews said that 
putting anything other than mail in people's mailboxes is very illegal. And uh, yeah, they were fully expecting a follow-up chapter where Jess and the insufferable, um, what was his name, Keith, get arrested Keith. for cramming all those leaflets in, sweet bo- in people's mailboxes. Sweet Body High 65, Jessica does hard time. <laughs> Can you imagine the cover art? Oh my God. Uh, oh God. By the way, um, so... Somebody else uh, still rejecting white supremacy uh, at reading in a K um, on Twitter said that may, maybe Ned does need to be a lawyer for the rest of his days to pay for Stephen's therapy. I mean, yes, Good point. agreed. <laughs> we also got an email from um, Elizabeth uh, Rappley. Rapali, sorry, I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, but she was saying that the model for Stephen looks suspiciously like Robert Chambers, who was the preppy killer in New York in the 80s, who I hadn't heard of. No. But when I saw a picture of him, he does. She is not wrong. <laughs> it is terrifying. It's quite frightening. So, yeah, have a Google of Robert Chambers, the preppy killer, and uh, be very concerned about the cover model for Stephen Wakefield, because I am now as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and remember, of course, you can email us at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And we're on Instagram too. Uh, yeah, we're at SVH Podcast over there. We're on Facebook as well, actually, which I keep forgetting about, oh, yeah, to be honest. But, you know, we're SVH Podcast in all the places. Yes. So you will find us if you, you lash that into any social media. And Karen does some amazing graphics over on uh, on Instagram. So, you know, and she's been doing sterling work, gathering up old James Matthews's inspiration photos. So you've That's got it. to check this out. It is Sniffed worth it. It was in color oh. and everything. <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing! Um, so yeah, and you'll you'll get to hear some little samples from our Pi Beta Alpha Headstuff Plus bonus editions that might yeah your appetite. A little taster tray, a little spring roll of uh, Ooh, <laughs> of a taste. <laughs> So yeah, there's so many ways to get in touch with us. Uh, and of course, I know we keep banging on about it, but there's also, you can support us on Headstuff Plus. And we will see those of you who are in the Pi Beta Alpha Clubhouse. We'll see you there next week. But for everybody else, we will be back in two weeks' time when the Wakefields ask, who's to blame? It's Ned. It's Ned. It's definitely Ned. <laughs> see you then, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade.